Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... It is a brand new week here at St. John Fisher College, this St. John Fisher University. Excuse me. The banners are up all over campus, Ryan Talbot. Uh, This is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you by Value Home Centers. Right now, if you go to valuehomecenters.com, customers can shop anytime online. You buy online, pick up today, or, or shop from their huge selection of products. They'll ship to your local store from their warehouse for free. It's really awesome. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. This is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast, and it is a packed edition, Ryan. I got into the notebook today, and before long, I was like, I kept having to push the start time back. I didn't realize how long this thing was going to take me. There was a lot to unpack. And guess what? If you're watching right now, you can go read my story. There's 10 observations up at Syracuse.com. But if you're watching the podcast, you're going to get even more because I couldn't fit it all in. What is up, Ryan Talbot? Hey, not too much, Matt. You know, you just use the word awesome. It sounds like it was a pretty awesome day at uh, St. John Fisher University and a really awesome day for the defense. Man, it was charged up from the very start. So when we got out there today, you could always tell like the first couple of plays, like who has that early advantage in terms of who's kind of setting the tone. And man, it was at the defense early on. Uh, nothing was going right for the offense. Josh Allen was a little bit erratic, uh, had a couple throws. Same thing as yesterday. Just, I think, kind of getting dialed up. I'm wondering if being back at St. John Fisher with all the fans and the hype and the the excitement after two years, if Sugar Rush Josh Allen is just back a little bit, having to kind of dial things down a little bit. He's talked about this. You know, he's been very open about it over the course of his career that sometimes he's just, he gets a little dialed up at the start and and needs to kind of reset. He did that and there were a lot of, you know, really good offensive plays as well. But I thought the defense was really good. Without pads on, you really got to rely on your your quickness, you know, reading what the offense is doing. And I think some of the frustration we saw on the offensive side of the ball from Ken Dorsey, Tavon Austin was pacing up and down at one point, really frustrated. Stephon Diggs having to go over, talk to some of the young guys who were, you know, basically came back to him and said, I'm just trying not to make a mistake out there. And sometimes when you play like that, it leads to just, uh, you know, not great plays. And after long, you know, they did start to make some, but a couple of standouts defensively uh, in the beginning. Kyer Elam, I thought, was playing really, really well. Uh, sticky coverage. You could just see the quickness and the speed, the stuff that we talked about when he was getting drafted. And then another couple of cornerbacks, Taron Johnson. I mean, listen, not a lot of times do, do quarterbacks, including Josh Allen in practice, test Taron Johnson. Uh, one play in particular is lined up uh, one-on-one in coverage with Isaiah McKenzie. Casey McKenzie kind of ran across the, the field and man, Taron Johnson just step for step with him, dove at the last second, 
broke up the pass, was right in front of the defense. They kind of came out of the field. They all kind of circled around them. There's a lot of yelling. And that kind of started, uh, you know, the, the the hype training, if you will. And then a couple plays later, Cam Lewis gets a pass breakup where he was working one-on-one against Isaiah Hodgins and absolutely shut Hodgins down. And you're talking about a 5'9 corner in Cam Lewis against a 6'3 you know, uh, wide receiver and Isaiah Hodgins. That's not how it's supposed to work. Cam Lewis plays bigger than his his frame, but he just was just absolutely out physical Hodgins at the point of attack. He was covering him. Uh, you know, he stepped for step with him. You know, you just saw some of the frustration there. And then a couple plays later, I can't remember who the receiver was, but Lewis came flying into the play at the end. Pass breakup again. Got up. I looked like he said some stuff to the defense or to the offense right in front of the offensive sideline. It was a really, really uh, intense, but, you know, competitive, the competitive fire, the competitive juices were flowing. And and that's what you like to hear. And it it sounds like, like you mentioned, a really good day for the defensive backs. First and foremost, Kyrie Elam, this is what the Bills want to see. You drafted this guy in the first round to eventually start opposite Tredavious White whenever White is healthy. Uh, Obviously, the job will not be handed to Elam. He's going to have to compete with Dane Jackson. But it, these practices, they you want to stack them one on top of the other. So it, it's good for him to start. I mentioned yesterday, iron sharpening iron. When you're going against Gabriel Davis, you're going against Stefan Diggs. You want to see the signs of, okay, this guy's growing. He's getting it. He's making a play here and there. And, and when you're going against talented receivers like that, it, it comes with time. So good start for him. Cam Lewis is one that I really want to focus in on, Matt, because you, you really mentioned him in, in your observations. You know, before the start of training camp, we went back and forth on Cam Lewis. Is there a spot for him here when you already have White, you have Elam, you have Dane Jackson, you have Taron Johnson, who is the most underrated player on this roster, in my opinion. And then you have Saran Neal and a a lot of younger guys, including Christian Benford, who was drafted this year. And all of a sudden, it's, is there room for a Cam Lewis? Well, listen, Lewis, undrafted player out of UB, he's gotten better every year. At one point, he was kind of, on his way to getting a starting role in Buffalo in season. And then an injury took place. He seems to just be getting better and better each year. And he's going to force his way onto this 53 man roster. If he keeps making plays like this in these practices this week, but then obviously starting on Saturday, once the pads come on. So I wrote in my observations. And like I mentioned, you can go over to Syracuse.com, New York upstate, uh, com as well. 1500 plus words uh, from practice today. We we took a deep dive for you. And I said, I think Lewis is moving into roster lock position where if I were to do a 53 man roster right now today, Ryan, there's not a single, and I know it's a, it's an unpadded practice. You don't want to overreact, but sometimes there's just like a vibe that a guy gives off a confidence level that they give off. He is playing with elite confidence. I think if they had to put him out there in for Taron Johnson, in for Elam, in for Jackson, in for White when he gets back. They would not hesitate to do it. The guy's just playing at a level. And I think one of the things that comes with time in a system too is that you get to a place where you know what your role is and what your responsibilities are so clearly. You play faster. And Lewis was absolutely blazing fast today. Yeah, there's something about knowing the playbook, having that playbook for multiple years now and knowing the ins and outs of it. Uh, You mentioned on the receiver position, Matt, some of the young guys saying we don't want to make a mistake. Cam Lewis is at that point now on the defense where I don't think he worries about that anymore because he's had this playbook for so long. He doesn't have to worry about learning new terminology, uh, learning his responsibilities because he knows his role. He's 
comfortable with everything that Leslie Frazier has been doing with this defense and, and it's showing on the practice field. Let's go, you know, speaking of, you know, young players and guys that had a big day today, let's shift gears over to the offensive side of the ball because I thought Khalil Shakir, uh, this is the second straight day where I wrote about him, the second straight day where, you know, you can just start to see the possibilities for what he could potentially look like in this offense. So Shakir uh, made a couple of really good catches. I think one of that, one of the catches was maybe the catch of the day. And we'll get to one that, you know, was pro- also in contention from Gabriel Davis a little bit later on. But it came from Case Keenum. Uh, he was working in coverage against Nick McLeod, who we're going to talk about in a minute as well. And he just got past the defense and just settled into an opening and made himself available for the quarterback. And the quarterback made a pretty good throw. Uh, he had to kind of get high up and make the catch. And I think it was also uh, Damar Hamlin who was kind of in the vicinity that kind of came over a little bit late. Shakir, he has such a good feel for the game. Like, you know, some of the stuff early on, you wonder with some of these younger players, I was listening to Sean McDermott on with Howard and Jeremy this morning, and they asked him a really good question about, you know, what he saw from the rookies on day one and what they're what he's looking for from them. And he's like, we got the tape on last night from day one. And what you're looking for is how much did a lot of these young guys study you know, what they learned over the course of OTAs and, and minicamp and what do they take back with them, learn from, and then apply some of what they learned on the practice field. And you could see when they don't know what they're doing, you know, that it, maybe they didn't do enough. And I think with Shakir, what stands out to me more than anything is like, sure, he's made a couple of big plays in the first two days of, of camp and that's great. But he never looks like he doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know where to go. It's almost like, after practice, I almost I I did observe that he was working with um uh Neil Pau, uh number 82, the undrafted free agent that the Bills have in. They were just doing some work off to the side and you know, running through routes and it looked like maybe talking through some philosophy uh, on footwork and, and how to come out of your breaks. And those are the kind of little things that like as a rookie. He's already doing that. And maybe he's not, I I didn't get any intel on that. So maybe that wasn't him showing him anything, but he just has a very cerebral approach. I I talked to him after practice today for a story that I'm going to be working on over the course of the next couple of days. And he's just like a really impressive dude. He spent, um, he, he spent, he, he was born in Virginia. Then he moved to Japan for five years. His dad was in the military, came back to California where he lived uh, until he went, ended up going to Boise state, his father, his brother played soccer. He played soccer, uh, up until his sophomore year of high school. And you can see it with the way that he moves out there. I asked him how important was that? And he's like, man, the footwork that you get from dealing with a ball on your feet all the time, it, it, it's something that's really catapulted him and helped him with his route running. And he seems to be a student of the game well as well. And the thing I also noted in my, in my observations is Ryan, he's coming in ready made as a rookie, just think one, two, three years working in the same receiving room with one of the best route runners in the NFL and Stefan Diggs. It's hard not to think of the potential that he can maybe have in this offense. Yeah. The ceiling is high for Shakir. There's no doubt about that, Matt. And as you've mentioned the first two days, uh, he's been someone that's been talked about more than maybe anyone else on this offense for the young players. He's showing up. He's making a name for himself. As you mentioned, it comes down to the playbook and knowing it. And I think there was maybe one miscommunication. I saw a video of it and immediately he went with Josh Allen. They got on the same page. Isaiah McKenzie helped him out too. And, and 
I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise or anything like that, but Jamison Crowder, for instance, he was off to the side today. He was on the bike. That's more reps for a guy like Shakir, maybe in, in the slot. You, we've talked about his position versatility a little bit too. So whether it's this year on the inside, on the outside, if Shakir keeps practicing the way that he has been, there's going to be a role for him. It might start out small, but as that year goes on, the more trust he gains in, from Josh Allen, from Sean McDermott, uh, from this offense and Ken Dorsey, the, the bigger the role is going to be. And it's encouraging to see how strong of a start Khalil Shakir is getting off to. Where do you want to go next, buddy? Well, let's talk a little bit about the the leadership of Stefan Diggs, because you mentioned the offense got off to a kind of a bit of a slow start today. Uh, Tavon Austin pacing on the sidelines, talking to the young guys. We know that Stefan Diggs is such a great route runner. We know that he's one of the best receivers in the league. But, you, you know, in your opinion, is the leadership that we've seen from him over the over his time in Buffalo, maybe one of the best attributes of uh, the the leadership that he provides to this team? For me, the leadership component of what he's been makes the contract that they gave him that much more fulfilling is not the right word, but like you're so much more eager to hand him that big time contract, that big time extension, knowing it's not just the numbers that you're paying for, you're paying for the development of other guys, the, you know, lifting up other guys with you. And he was actually asked about that today. Like, do you make other guys around you better? And he's like, you know, I don't, he's, his direct quote was, I don't really live in that world because his style of leadership, it's a little bit different, right? Like he said, you know, he'll go and tell Isaiah McKenzie that the only reason he's getting open is because of Stefan Diggs, right? And that's just kind of the way that he has that re- relationship with, with him. But he's also a veteran, right? Like, you know, he's got other veterans on his team. He played with Emmanuel Sanders last year. So there's a competitive, you know, push and pull going on there where they're pushing each other uh, in, in that whole situation. But I think the starstruck nature of a lot of these young players, Shakir talked about it when they drafted him, with Diggs and the way that he is an open book and and kind of, you know, gets into the lab with all these guys. And he also talked about Gabriel Davis and the work that he did in the off season and how much he was impressed with, you know, the strides that he's taken. So I think that the leadership component of Diggs is something that it was probably the most under reported part of his tenure in Minnesota, you know, and, and now the bills, I think one of the reasons their offense has taken the steps that it's taken over the last couple of years is because of how good of a leader he's been and how good of a teammate he's been. And he's a captain. He's earned it. Yeah, I agree with those sentiments. And we've already seen what he's helped do to Gabriel Davis's game. We know he loves to uh, raz Isaiah McKenzie a little bit. We know that McKenzie does benefit from having him on the field and learning from him. And it's going to be good for Shakir and some of these other receivers on the roster for sure. So uh, good to see Diggs, you know, not just playing well on the field because he's had a a strong two days of camp as well, but also taking on that leadership role. Uh, Matt, how about talking a little bit about the offensive line? They did a little... You know, it looked a little bit different today in terms of maybe what you can discuss. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is is this Aaron Cromer just trying to get the best out of this line to see what they can do in terms of versatility? Well, I'll tell you what, this this offensive line is has a ton of versatility. I mean, everywhere you look, guys can play multiple positions. And yesterday with Roger Saffold out indefinitely with the with the rib issue after the car accident on the non football injury list. 
Um, we'll see how long that kind of plays out. Yesterday was Cody Ford. Today was David Questenberry. And so Questenberry goes from playing right tackle yesterday. They shift him inside to left guard. And that's that's some versatility. I mean, you go back to, to Cody Ford. When they moved him from right tackle, the first place that they moved him uh, was to right guard. For Questenberry, a veteran, to be able to go all the way over three spots, you could just kind of see – you know, what maybe they're, they're, they're thinking with him and, you know, they're not afraid to use some of their bigger outside pieces on the interior. And today they also moved Tommy Doyle with the first team out to right tackle Spencer Brown. He participated yesterday in the team drills. He did not today. So I, I, what I surmise from that, not, not being able to ask Sean McDermott about it is it's going to be a situation where you walk before you can run, right? They don't want to put too much on his plate too soon. I'm not taking anything. I, I don't think that Tommy, Do- I wouldn't make an observation that Tommy Doyle has surpassed Spencer Brown on the, on the depth chart. Spencer Brown didn't even participate in the team drills today. So um, we'll see how that kind of transpires, but Tommy Doyle kind of getting moved out, around a little bit. And I just think overall, it's something that the Bills covet. They want guys that can play multiple positions. They want to get a look at them. They want to see, all right, when we get to the games, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a ton of different looks on that offensive line. Yeah, I agree with that. Versatility has been huge for this team. You look at Ryan Bates, someone that can play all five spots. You look at uh, Questenberry, who can play tackle and and guard, and some of the other players over the years that have had that versatility. I I think that is big for the Bills. And mind you, I think the Bills are optimistic that a Roger Saffold will be ready uh, by week one or sometime during the preseason. But it's good to figure out, hey, if worst-case scenario – something happens here who do we start at that spot is it ford uh is it someone else is it questionberry and if it's questionberry what do you do at tackle if spencer brown's not ready to go and, and again this is all speculation there's no reason to believe that both of those players won't be ready to go by week one but you want to be prepared you want to have all the looks possible all the combinations possible and say who are the best five players that we can put out there to protect josh allen to make sure that the run game can get going, to make sure that this offense can move the ball consistently. Not a lot of action in the run game the first two days. And honestly, what good really is that without pads on anyway? So probably better to kind of work on some of the other things. But I will say that there was one play that specifically stood out. Uh, Devin Singletary got the ball from Allen when they got went into one of the final 11-on-11 uh, periods. They started deep in their own zone. They were going to you know kind of march down the field, see how far they can go. First play... Hand off to Devin Singletary and Ed Oliver absolutely explodes through the line, beats Mitch Morris. Like, I just think it was the foot speed more than anything that just he was just on him. And it would have been a four yard loss, tackle for a loss. Uh, the, I thought the defensive line really was impressive today. Like without pads, just using their their foot speed, their quickness. There was one play where Josh Allen had to roll out to his left. And he was looking for Stephon Diggs. And I thought Elam had really good coverage. I thought it was one of his best reps of the day. Didn't allow Diggs to get any type of separation to give Allen an out. Allen ended up having to throw it out of bounds. But it was Jordan Phillips who was just on his horse, man, just running downhill. And Josh Allen had no time to react, no time to really think. He had to get rid of the ball. And so that's what I've, I've really noticed across the line. Also, Von Miller, one rep in particular. Mm-hmm. But I think I could have probably written about five or six of them. You get to the point where it's like, all right, it's just Von Miller. You 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 expected this going into camp. One rep in, in particular was him versus Cody Ford. I think it was a little bit of backdoor in, like spin move where he worked him out to his to 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 Dawkins. Did I say Dawkins or Ford? Sorry, it was Dawkins. He was Dawkins. working. Out. 
Yep. Yeah, got him out to his left, spun back inside to Dawkins' right, and on the end of the move had Josh Allen just dead to rights right there. And he won the rep so convincingly, he actually bumped into Allen. And it's one of those ones where you're like, whoop, stop the play, stop everything. And, and a few minutes later, Josh Allen kind of met, made his way over the defensive sideline. I think he kind of chatted with Vaughn about it a little bit. Uh, but it was a great rep from Vaughn. And just he is just he's locked in. He's he's as advertised what you would have expected so far. Yeah. And listen, I, I see in the chat, you know, you, you want to make sure that this continues when the pads are on. But it's encouraging to see what this defensive line has done so far uh, today with that Oliver showing that burst, kind of picking up where he left off from last year. I thought he had an outstanding season despite taking on a lot of double teams. You had Tim Settle yesterday with the big play of Jordan Phillips making a play today. And then obviously Von Miller. Von Miller with that pass rush arsenal, the ability to bend the way that he uh, can, the movement skills are still there. It's really exciting to think about what this defensive line is going to look like come week one. Uh, And that's not even mentioning Daquan Jones, who can take on the run. Uh, These young pass rushers like Greg Russo and Boogie Basham, as well as A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, the veteran. The list goes on and on. Uh, This defensive line is deep, and so far, it's off to a really strong start. And really, if you're looking at that roster from last year, Matt, the the defensive line was the weak link. It was what probably kept them from uh, really being that dominant force that maybe would get them to the Super Bowl and win the whole thing. If if that unit is clicking, you know the secondary is special. You know you have a great linebacking uh, core there. So I really think it comes down to the defensive line, and so far, so good, I guess, with the way they're playing to date. So good also is the loyalty program over at Value Home Centers. Uh, They call it Best Rewards, and customers earn points for purchases every day that will bring them uh, more savings. Veterans and active military earn double points on every purchase every day. For more details, head over to valuehomecenters.com. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Where do you want to go next? Actually, here's one. Uh, I see it in the comments here. Jacob Mycel over on YouTube. How is Groot looking? I didn't write about it in my observations because I I don't believe he got credited for the sack. Uh, but I think he was going one-on-one with Dawkins and Josh Allen was back to pass. And that was the miscommunication, I believe, you mentioned earlier where he had ended up talking to Khalil Shakir after the play. So Allen got rid of the ball. But again, they're not really blowing these plays dead. But Shakir... Worked, uh, had a or, um, uh, Rousseau had a great move. It was kind of like an outside speed move. And I don't know if he just cut it back or if he spun it back. I kind of caught on the end, but it, the footwork are just, it's really impressive for the size. And I think that when you're seeing somebody like that pop on, in, in these kinds of practices, it's impressive. And I thought Boogie Basham, he looks quicker. I, I haven't had any plays where all right, he beats somebody so good that I had to write about it, but I just think he's looked quick. Uh, I haven't really noticed AJ Apanessa a ton, but again, as we move through the week, as we get closer to pads day, 
that's when we're going to really start to unlock some of the chatter with uh, some of this front seven. Yeah, looking forward to Saturday when they're in pads the first time. Like you said, when the observations come out, we'll be talking about the the pass rushers, how they're looking, things like that. Uh, In the chat, Jamison, Tim Settle at defensive tackle. You're not worried he's a rookie. If I'm reading that all correctly, Tim Settle's not a rookie. He was with Washington for uh, a few seasons before he signed with the Bills this year in free agency. He really played well in Washington as well. So uh, no worries about him joining this defensive line at, at defensive tackle whatsoever. Matt, how about a little bit about Nick McLeod? You mentioned him, uh, his mm. name earlier, but you, you also had him in the observations. He had a pretty nice day today. And he's, again, uh, we talked about versatility on the offensive line. We've talked about on the defensive line. They like those pl- players that have the versatility as well on the back end of the defense in, in terms of defensive backs. Yeah, uh, Nick McLeod had himself a, had himself a day today, and you know honestly, he probably would have been featured more prominently had Cam Lewis uh, not been so electric. And Lewis's speed is like his like closing speed, and his understanding of the defense is what I think more than anything separates him from some of these other younger uh, younger guys. But McLeod's speed is sneaky. Like he kind of lulls you into a sense of security and then all of a sudden reacts and pops into a play. And before you know it, he's there. The The first play was an interception working against Tavon Austin. Now, I think that he pushed him in the back and Austin immediately came up and kind of made the flag symbol. And, you know, it probably was uh, in a game situation that probably would have been called. Uh, but he made the play on the sideline, got his feet down. It was a, it was a, a athletic play. And then later in practice, I don't know if it was a miscommunication, an overthrow. McLeod may have stepped in front of the pass. I didn't see it clearly. I was kind of looking through uh, a group of defenders. But he made another play, and he secured the play. To me, that's the most noteworthy part of this. Like You want finishers in the secondary, guys that can make plays, not just bat balls down, but get interceptions as well. Dane Jackson also had an interception on an airmail pass from Allen earlier in practice. I didn't, I didn't talk about that as much just because it was a miscommunication and there was nobody really in the vicinity, but again, making the play. And I think that that's worth talking about. Yeah. You know, going to Nick McLeod, he's really interesting. I, I am a Notre Dame fan. I got to see him a little bit at Notre Dame. He didn't play as fast as his 40 time. He ran a blazing 4.37, uh, at his pro day. So he does have that speed, though. So when you said, you know, he kind of just like flew into the play, I'm not stunned by that. I, I think that maybe it, it's a comfort issue when he was at Notre Dame. He had transferred there. Uh, maybe it was getting used to the defense. I think he has the ability to play at a high level of speed and to play with speed on the outside, inside, wherever they play him, whether it's at corner or safety. So I'm really excited to see him develop. Jordan Poyer had high praise for him. Uh, this off season when he did a, a recent podcast that he kind of reminds him a little bit of himself in terms of uh, the road that he's taken to the NFL. He, he wasn't drafted Boyer, obviously a little bit different in, in that boat, but you know, it's all about getting the opportunities, playing well, learning from year to year. And, and McLeod is off to a pretty solid start here from his spring and then making some plays here early on at training camp. A couple of questions I want to get to in the chat here. Some good stuff. Uh, Michael asks on YouTube, what's the overall feeling on the sidelines? Loose, confident, heavy. I think it's been, it's been very loose. It's almost like there's sections of the team, right? There's the veterans. There's the guys that have been here. Sean McDermott mentioned it the other day, only about a fourth of the quarter of the roster 
has been to St. John Fisher before. So I think there's an element of just getting used to your surroundings. That's part of what's happening, getting like comfortable being in front of fans again at training camp, something that hasn't happened in two years. So that dynamic you saw, I feel like everybody getting a little bit more comfortable as the day went on today. You know, you start to see guys start to react a little bit more when the, when the talking starts to happen, that's when, you know, you feel right at home at training camp. And then Michael also asked, do you think the relationships that are cultivated now have an impact later in the year, you know, going away for camp and no matter whether or not Ryan guys like going away for camp, living in the dorms, like, you know, not having the usual amenities that they're used to uh, back at home or at the facility, they do all seem to agree that the team building aspect of this thing, it really is a benefit for a team. And, you know, that team in 2020 was super, or uh, 2019, despite only, you know, losing in the playoffs was very close. And, you know, Josh Allen, his passion for going away from camp really was built and formed in 18 and 19 when they came up here. So I think it's beneficial. We'll see. I think it's something that they're going to continue to evaluate in future years. They have two years now to evaluate without going away to camp. Obviously, it ended in the AFC title game in 2020 and then in the divisional round in 2022, 2021. So we'll see how they finish and how they do this year based on uh, the camp experience. Yeah, the the camp decision has to be very difficult for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And and they both have said that they love going away for camp. And there are obviously clear benefits. Josh Allen mentioned uh, not a lot of there. There are some players that don't like going away for camp. The, you mentioned the amenities, the dorm life, all of that. So he tries to be a little goofy, outgoing to, to make sure that by the end of it, that they enjoy it more. But we're also talking about a league where there's only six teams, Matt, that are still going away from their home base. and when you're talking about Buffalo specifically and you think about all the training facilities that they have, all of the recovery facilities that they have right there, it's easy to make a case for them staying in, in Buffalo when that time comes. Uh, but the camaraderie, the playing cards, the hanging out together, that wouldn't happen necessarily if, if camp was in Buffalo because they don't, people would go back to their homes and do their own things possibly. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it all gets weighed out over time. Maybe it's cutting down a little bit at St. John Fisher University. Maybe it's one or the other. I'm interested to see what direction that goes long-term. Some breaking news on the show I could share. Ooh. Had it, I, I had the turkey burger today. Okay. The media, the media got served the turkey burgers today. It was fine. Oh, it was good. no. It's fine. I don't know if the bun had something to do with it. Maybe they have different buns. And there were no jalapenos, which mm. I do think, to Elliot's point, would have taken it to the next level. Because yeah. I am a jalapeno on regular burger guy. Also a Pepper Jack fan, Ryan. We have and talked about this. We have, we've talked about this. But I would just say ho hum on the turkey burger. I wasn't blown away. I'm not going back for seconds. Okay, that that's fair. But like you mentioned, might be slightly different. You didn't get the jalapenos. You don't know what other toppings Alan <laughs> might put on it. So, uh, oh yeah, see, taking with look at, look at, look at yes. Arun. Look at yes. Arun over on, on Facebook it. with the shots. All right, Arun, buckle up for this, buddy. Get ready for this. Let's see if I can find it. For those that are listening on the podcast, he wrote, taken with a grain of salt from the guy that likes red, delicious apples. Well, we've well changed said. the game. We've changed the game. Can you see that, Ryan? You what does it what say on says? the sticker? What does it say, Ryan? Fuji. Are you going? You're going Fuji. Fuji now? I'm on the Fuji train. You know why I'm on the Fuji train? I read an article that said pre-workout 
the best food that you can eat pre-workout is a Fuji apple. Man, I, I get up at energy. 5 a.m. and I Gives you the energy, it. man. I don't have time to so, sit there and eat an apple. I'm off the Red Delicious train, I got to say. I'm, 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 I'm so sad to walk that back. But I'll still have it if it's available and my kids like it. So if occasionally I will. But I go Fuji. I go, I go Macintosh, even though I don't love those. But I eat them because they're high in fiber. And I got to say, I hate to give you the credit. Honeycrisp pretty good. Damn it. Damn it, Ryan. So good. Gosh. I, I hate giving you that kind of credit. I understand, but they are, you know, they, they are amazing. So I'm, I'm glad you've uh, come to your senses about that. Oh, anyway, look at this apparently Matt tops told you that they are 99 cents a pound this week. Look at that. Getting some deals. Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to run over to tops. I brought two from home, but guess what? We're here for two and a half weeks. I'm going to need more. I'm going to get a couple Fuji's for Ryan when he gets here on Friday. Bang. <laughs> I'll have one before I work out on Friday morning. Yes. Yeah, tell me, I, I, I would like to see if uh, there's any bit of a, a difference. Yeah. All right. Where do you want to go next? Uh, let's talk a little Jaquan Johnson. You mentioned him in your observations mm. as well. Yeah. So one of the interesting things that's happening with Johnson and Leslie Frazier spoke about it before practice today is like, you know, the bills know what they have in Jordan Poyer and Micah high when they're on the field together. What I think that they probably want to see a little bit more of is, of course, Jaquan Johnson and DeVar Hamlin reps in general, but also how they play with Poyer and or Hyde, right? Because in a situation that pops up during the season, if Poyer gets hurt or if uh, Hyde gets hurt, Jaquan Johnson's probably that next guy up at this point. So getting him those kinds of reps is important. I thought he was pretty good today. I do like Gala Apples as well. I'd probably put him over McIntosh. Granny Smith's terrible. That's another side subject. But Jaquan Johnson... He was, he had the energy up today. There's a few times when he was totally um, up for the the chatter with uh, the offensive sideline. So uh, he got some work today. I thought he looked really good. I thought, again, another guy in year three that looks like the, the pieces are starting to align on the puzzle, knowing where to be and being able to play a little bit quicker. Yeah, and we've talked about this. It's it's good to get these young players reps uh, with the starters, with someone they could start next to if an injury occurred or something like that happened. And that's what we've talked about. Kyrie Elam getting out there on the field. Dane Jackson getting these early reps with uh, Trey White being out. You know, both of them are getting valuable reps with the starting unit. It's good for Jaquan Johnson to be in there because you are just one injury away. And you want to also evaluate long term. Is this someone that could slide into a starting role in the next few years? Is he someone that hopefully we can re-sign to a modest deal if that opportunity comes up down the road to have him as one of our starters? Getting them out there, getting that confidence, so that way if something happens in a Super Bowl season like this where the expectations are the big game or bust, uh, but also long-term in, in terms of evaluations, it's good for a player like Jaquan Johnson, Matt, to get out there on the field. Let's go inside the notebook, Ryan, for a couple nuggets before we get out of here. Uh, stuff that didn't appear in my observation story. So if you're still in uh, on the live show or if you're listening to this on the audio version, this is stuff that uh, a little deeper into practice. I thought Devin Singletary got the most work today. And I think not as convincing as Moss was yesterday, but I thought Devin Singletary had a nice practice. He had a couple nice, nice receptions. Brandon Bryant. Uh, Brandon Bryant sack uh, on Case Keenum, and man, dude, this dude—it's—it's—it's it's, it's like 
it's a repetitive topic here. We go back to the spring. He he's making plays. He had a couple opportunities last year and, you know, didn't get a lot of reps, didn't get a lot of snaps in, in, in games, but man, he just pops. He's got some speed. I think that they probably really like him. If the bills keep 10 defensive linemen, if I'm power ranking the guys after that, Brandon Bryant's at the top of the list for me. And I get that. And I understand it completely. Uh, and if he can't make that 53 man roster, you have to think that he is a priority, uh, practice squad signee. You hope that no one else wants to claim him and that you can bring him back because given the opportunities he's had in his time in Buffalo, he has made plays in limited opportunities on the Cam Lewis pass breakup play. Uh, I, I didn't write about this, but Shaq Lawson, absolutely probably the most dominant rep for any player on the field. I should have wrote about this actually, but you know why I didn't? It was Shaq Lawson versus Luke Tenuta. And you know, mm. listen, six round draft pick rookie. You're going to get that from a vet. I mean, the, the vet's going to cook you every once in a while. So I, I, I didn't choose to put that in, in the observations, but you know, Shaq Lawson, listen, kind of an under the radar positive to the bills, being able to land Lawson back in the mix because they're trying to get so much work for some of these younger guys, AJ Epinesa, uh, Boogie Basham, and Greg Rousseau, Shaq Lawson is going to give really good work to some of these younger offensive linemen wherever he lines up. And, you know, I've seen him now going back to the spring with a bunch of reps against Tenuta. That's only going to benefit a young guy that, um, you know, the Bills are hoping can kind of land here and see what they can get out of him. But yeah, uh, that was a, a big time play today. I also want to talk before we get uh, out of here. Gabriel Davis had himself a nice day today. He made probably the catch of the day. Remind me about a Diggs catch too uh, that I wrote about. But Gabriel Davis had a catch of the day. One-on-one with Kyrie Elam. Again, Elam getting all of the work here in training camp early. So these are just um, irreplaceable reps for the rookie. One-on-one with Gabriel Davis. And once you get position, if you're Davis, if Allen makes a good throw, I don't care if you're going against Jalen Ramsey. It's going to be really tough to defend him because of his size, his ability on the sideline. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Elam was on him. He had pretty sticky coverage. But best throw of the day from Josh Allen on the left sideline, put it where only Gabriel Davis had a shot at it. He went up, made the play, got his two feet down. It was the perfect the bang-bang routine play. Probably went for about 15 to 20 yards spectacular Davis was just super consistent again today and that's that's just what he is now consistent have you observed any more physicality from him since he's coming in a little bit bigger at 227 or is it too early to say because the pads aren't on too early to say and um I think the pads coming on will get a better sense of that when you got to have the receivers block a little bit too uh getting a little bit of that chip at the line uh maybe that'll do it as well but yeah uh Observation in the comments, Ilyanku dealing with calf issues. So we'll have to wait to, to see anything from him. The Diggs play, Diggs versus Cam Lewis late in practice down the left sideline. Really good throw from Josh Allen. But Cam Lewis had excellent coverage. And so to get some separation at the last moment, Stefan Diggs with the all-pro little push-off, right? Probably not getting that call if you're Cam Lewis in a regular season game, right? It was pretty obvious. Diggs goes up, makes the play, comes down out of bounds, comes up, throws the ball into the stands. The, the music was blaring, so he got a little dance in. It was a fun way to end practice. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that 
like we mentioned at the top, up and down day for the offense, some frustrating points at times. But like Alan talked about yesterday, that that's what they're doing here, right? They're just starting the practice process. They're starting uh, camp earlier than most teams. And so I think you'll really probably want to see them come into some more consistency as the week goes on, as they get into uh, pads. And I know people want AJ Epinesa news. Don't have a lot of it. I, I, he really has not just popped at all yet in the first two days. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Epinesa again, we'll, Matt, will keep an eye on him these next few days when we're there a Friday, Saturday, we'll look for him as well. Give you some news when that becomes available, but the, the playmakers are making plays, Matt, even when the offense is a little stagnant, when they're struggling a little bit. So it's good to hear Diggs and, uh, Davis are, are off to a hot start, really looking forward to seeing what the, these two receivers can do together in the regular season because Davis clearly looks ready to assume that number two role. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? Final thoughts, Ryan Talbot? Final thoughts. Uh, you know, two days in the book, loving the interactions with the Bills fans here, loving to see uh, how loud it is at St. John Fisher University. So Bills fans, you're bringing it both online and in person at camp. Uh, keep it up. We'll have you covered every day of practice. Every day at practice, we are here. I'll probably get a little bit more sun tomorrow, hopefully. And we'll be right back here on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening online or audio only, uh, subscribe to the show. Like the show on YouTube, subscribe as well. Uh, but if you find us on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, uh, great time to subscribe so you get the notification every time we publish an episode. Before we get out of here, as always, make sure you text VALUE, V-A-L-U, to 80692. Again, that's 80692. That jo- that signs you up for the VALUE Home Center's text program. You'll receive an immediate $10 off a $40 purchase coupon. Plus, you'll be the first to know about new promotions, deals, new products, all the best stuff to make sure that you're uh, you're locked and loaded for any uh, anything you want to do around the house or you know anything you need to buy. I mean, Value's got it all. They'll, they'll take care of you, Ryan. All right, that'll do it for today. See you tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.